Welcome to the 2013 National Male Engagement Conference, brought to you by the National PTA. Every child, one voice. Also brought to you by Watchdogs, Dads of Great Students, the Father Involvement Initiative of the National Center for Fathering. You are listening to the closing general session panel entitled, Tying It All Together. This program is available live on Sunday, February 10th and is being recorded and will be available on Watchdogs Radio through the Blog Talk Radio Network. Please join our presenters, Mr. Al Tamagni, Jr., National PTA Male Engagement Committee Chair, Otha Thornton, National PTA President-Elect, and Laura Bay, National PTA Treasurer. Our panelists for this session will be Mr. Eric Hargis, National PTA Executive Director, Mr. Eric Snow, Executive Director of Watchdog, Mr. Brian Deming, Director of School Programs for Family First, Mr. Michael Hall, President of Strong Fathers, Strong Families, and Mr. Ron Murr of RM Consulting. And now, let's listen to... Tying it all together. Okay, everyone. How's everyone doing? Everyone had a great weekend? Outstanding, outstanding. Well, as we get ready to uh, wrap up here, uh, we want to give everyone an opportunity to speak with a panel of male engagement experts. And we hope that throughout this weekend, you have learned a lot of great things. And we'll take it back to your your uh, states around the union here and really make a, a positive difference. Watchdogs and National PTA will continue and as we move forward in the future to use these conferences to highlight the difference that males can make in our uh, children's life, lives and make a, a very positive academic impact. Through our board coalitions, we have the, the Watchdogs, All Dads, Strong Fathers, Strong Families, we have these organizations that are making a difference in our school systems today and will continue to do this. So right now I'm just going to continue to challenge you to, to implement these programs in our school systems to really make a difference for, uh, for our nation. So with that being said, turn on the law. Thank you, Alyssa. This is the seventh inning stretch. This is where you get time to reflect, think, plan, and take back to your community the energy and the synergism that you have found today and yesterday in this male engagement conference. It is about you. It's about the men in our organization, in PTA, that are making differences for their kids every day. I'm an educator in Seattle, Washington, actually west of Seattle, but if I say Bremerton, everyone's like, where? You know, okay. Maybe they shoot that. Okay. So um, what I find when I am a parent and when I'm an educator, I'm a teacher, is that magic that happens when men are involved. It's the same magic as women being involved, as grandparents, as all of us being involved, but it's that special piece because unfortunately we don't see a lot of men, as many men in our schools. And these kids need you as a role model, you as an advocate, as a friend, and that's the power of what you guys, all of you guys, bring to PTA, to watchdogs, strong fathers, strong families, to all pro dads. It is that energy and that important connection that makes it real for our kids. Of course, any conference wouldn't be complete without recognizing the uh, male engagement committee, the commitment by National PTA and the board of directors and our wonderful staff who have been flexible, knowledgeable, helpful, and energized themselves in what
what they have done. If you are a staff member, board member, or male engagement committee member, could you please stand now while we give you a warm thank you of applause.
not so much as gatekeepers, but just involving them in the process of helping men to be a part of their lives as a children. My wife has been amazing at this and helping me understand that what prime time really is. Prime time is coming home and watching the news at 6 o'clock. That's when my kids are ready to be a play with. You know, so I think there's some of that that might be helpful to talk about in this dialogue. So I'd be curious to hear some of your thoughts. Like, where's the wash that? What is all for that? What is the strong wash? What do you guys suggest? What, what are some things that you've seen that work in trying to help mothers you know, be involved, especially you know, in the lives of the children? So thanks. Well, one of the things I did yesterday in the presentation was PTA as a whole, PTA as an organization, is about six to eight years behind National Head Start. And we started with National Head Start 10 years ago, and they had a mandate to bring fathers into the Head Start program. And, and you guys have a much better pace, and I think that's real exciting. But we went through several phases, and part of the advantage of that is now getting to learn and not repeating some of the mistakes we did with that movement uh, and improving upon that. Uh, at one time, and if part of it was because of money, part of it was because of effort. It was the dads have to do the dad thing and you only can do men and only men can do this. We have to hire men to do this and only men can work that. There's two problems with that. That's not true. The other part is we don't always have enough men to pull everything off. This conference would not be possible without the leadership of women in PTA. And we have to understand that. The other thing is, because we have models that are facilitated, because we have people that some of our biggest champions are the women in our organization. And even though we want men out front, if we can get them there, we want men talking to men when we can do that, um, I think we really are amiss when we don't understand that women are, are helping us lead this. Uh, my, my friend and I, Randall Turner, do a program at a lot of these conferences that is women in leadership of the fatherhood movement and Head Start because they are the ones that made it happen and are making it happen. Now, gentlemen, it's our job to step up and outpace everybody, but we cannot, you know, separate again those issues. Uh, my grandmother was a PTA member in 1945 and was a life member until she passed away at the age of 93. And for me to think she didn't have a contribution to this day would be false. Um, but women are the ones that get. Uh, the guys started, the women are the ones that let us in in the first place. Um, and also, our moms become great advocates for this program. You know, my, I tell you one of the best things you can do is when a mom tells another mom, my husband's going to the breakfast, to the mass night, he's a watchdog, and you want to put some pressure on the other family, that comes a lot from that. And so that leadership is important, and we can't discount it. Also, those, those of you in our session yesterday learned Anything we do with dads, moms are always welcome. That's a hard road to, to, to hold because if you're not careful, you have more women than men. You have to approach it in such a way. But if you ever try to shut women out, it's not going to be good for your organization. If a mom is all that kid has, bring, bring the mom. That's fine. I told you yesterday, our, our maddest moms, ones that were so angry that we were having a dad-specific event, came in. We welcomed them. They got over being mad, um, and they become a, have become our biggest advocates because they saw what we were trying to do. It's based on kids. So don't discount uh, not only what women have provided for us to be to this point, uh, but also don't discount what they're going to do to help you do what you're trying to do in the future. Great. I'll, I'll just piggyback on that and say the same thing for us that uh, if it we're not for the women in PTA and women in education. 
the Watchdog program would not be anywhere because it is normally in our uh, experience a, a woman in education, a woman that's a PTA volunteer that's already in the school that has seen what happens when there's an adult, adult male there. They find out about our program and takes it back to their school. Give you a good example on the way up here on Thursday. Uh, Keith called me and he's been working with uh, Kimberly Swenson out of Utah. And uh, Kimberly wanted to start a kid at a PTA conference that we gave away uh, three or four years ago. Went back, started the first program in Utah, and she's become the de facto expert in Utah about the Watchdog program that's helped launch several. They did a story on the, the, the Watchdog program, and then she had a radio station call her and wanted to do an interview that night. And she was kind of nervous and wanted to know. You know, okay, well, what are they going to ask me? What do I say? How do I handle this? And we just coached her a little bit and talked with her. And she did fabulous. But that sort of leadership, uh, you know, by a mother is typical. And so the, one of the misconceptions is that it's going to be a, a not a male friendly environment. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'll just add a couple comments. One is, uh, like Mike said, moms are always welcome at events. So our, we've had the question a lot of time, well, what if there's not a dad in, in, in a kid's life? All for dad's sake, bring your mom. That's fine. We'd, we'd rather be a, 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 a father figure, but moms are welcome as well. Um, interestingly, one of the, the best ways to recruit dads to get them into those events is through the moms. So kids and moms tend to be the best way to get the dads in the room. So make sure you're getting the flyers and information about whatever father program you're doing, not just in the hands of the dad, but in the hands of the moms, in the hands of the kids. Uh, we talked about at our events, we specifically give out my dad's and all for dad's stickers for the kids to wear around school, because the other kids see that, they start thinking about it, other moms see that, and they think about it when they get them there. I think that's important. And this next one, next comment falls under the uh, headline of shameless plug. Um, we also have a, a motherhood program called iMom Mornings, it's just like all for dads day, but it's for moms to connect with their kids. And the, the thing we've seen it get some legs with is that moms are really involved. They're the homeroom mom and the VK president. They're all over the campus, but they don't spend a lot of time with their own kids sometimes at school. And so the on-mom morning gives them that time to sit down and spend some time with their own kid, having breakfast, having a conversation they might not otherwise have at school and connecting them in a different way with the school. So um, if you're looking for those programs, you can run the, the, the mom, mother, and counterpart, the all for dad program as well. Okay. Uh, my name is Charlie Ryan. I'm from Lawrence, Kansas, and I'm with a group called Dads of Douglas County. Primarily, we've been focused on brand new dads. Uh, I have a three year old and two year old, and um, I can see a lot of possibilities in the next few years getting involved in schools with all the programs we've been talking about this weekend. So I'm pretty excited about that. But I was just curious um, what other things maybe you've done or been involved in that deal with engaging. Uh, branding dads or you know, trying to get that sort of expectation that dads should be involved with get that started from the get-go. Uh, I'll say one comment for dads of any age, so even before the All for Dads Day program gets launched at your school, is to play the day email that we talked about in our program, getting you signed up for, just getting you in a dad mindset every day. Right? So new dads sometimes think, okay, well where do I go to get help? I, I don't know who to talk to and, and I'm new with this. So, um, Simple things, and, and we've all got websites that have great fatherhood advice on them as well. So check out those websites, get connected through daily emails or daily blog posts that just get you thinking in a dad mindset every day, and also get you connected to organizations like ours 
sit with your kids and end school age, you know what those tools are and you're ready to stay connected and get connected to the next level. There's a ton of resources out there, uh, and, and probably the easiest way to find them is through each of our websites, and those connect you to other websites and, and other fatherhood resources. Uh, but don't think you got to go it alone. That, that's the message I sent to you. You're not in it alone. Um, you can look around the room and know you're not in it alone, but in a, in a broad sense in the world, there's lots, lots of folks out there trying to help. We're, we're actually working with the state of Kansas with the early head start, zero to three. Uh, it's a program called Strong Dads Super Kids, and um, developing a resource kit for reaching out to dads zero to three. Um, the state of Texas, we have a home visiting program we're working with, um, and one of the cool parts of being, uh, we usually don't work with the attorney general's office because the dads find out we're working with the attorney general, they don't want to talk to us. Um, but the Attorney General of Texas has been great to reach out to dads as dads. It's also helped their collection rate, it's a smart money. Uh, but, I mean, it's been good because the dads are not just a number or a dollar figure anymore. And one of the things, we had a conference about three years ago called the first nine months of fatherhood. It was prenatal fatherhood. And what we know with our early Head Start work and our Head Start work is if we can catch dads during those years of those kids, we're more likely to have them when the kids are 12. We're more likely to have those dads involved in the middle school, where it's really tough. Um, and we know from research that if we have a dad involved in that child's life at the age of seven, that no matter what happens after that, um, if the dad happens to check out, happens to be taken out, happens to not be there, that child still does well in their SAT scores and in their high school because of what it was done at the age of seven. Those of you that work in Title I schools, if you want to grow your own fatherhood organization, reach out to your local Head Starts. They do a great job of bringing dads in and making them leaders. And when they get into our PTAs and they're not from our neighborhood or they're not been there for a long time, they bring a great skill set. But if you go to the Head Start and say, when your kid's in kindergarten next year, because almost half your kids in kindergarten in a Title I school will come from a Head Start background. So if you reach out to them, you bring an army to your school and guys that are excited about being involved, and you're going to have them for four to five years, so they can't get away from you. You know, use them, uh, and they'll also be the next set of leaders in that. But we've got some really good stuff with uh, this. It, we're still working on this through the governor's office. It's called Strong Dad Super Kid. Uh, try, I've got some of your information. We'll get you more. Uh, but we're doing socialization programs for dads and kids to get together. So maybe we can provide that for you guys.
And we know that just taking that time before bedtime and reading to your child is one of the most important things you can do as a father to help them achieve. I don't have very much to add to that. I think uh, you know, Head Start is, is a great place to start and, and to, to use uh, their expertise in that. And, and I think the main thing is just the networking uh, that you all do with young fathers and, and men learn from men. And we've, we've structured a lot of that, we've organized a lot of that, we can present it as a program, we can present it in, in, in materials, but uh, just uh, you know, these things I have a tendency to feed on themselves and take on a life of their own. So. You know, when you have these programs in your school, you're doing the outreach like you're doing, and you're bringing these other agencies and things in. You know, the young fathers uh, are the benefit of that, and the guy, the idea is to you know just have a guy be aware from the time that you know he finds out that his wife is pregnant that he is a father, and that that's a lifetime commitment. You know, and, uh, and just that awareness is a, a big step in the right direction. Uh, we have some Head Start uh, programs. Actually, we presented at their conference, uh, national conference, for a few years in a row, and uh, it works very well. Good morning. My name is Kendrick Seahorn. I'm from uh, Alexander, Arkansas, and um, I came here really not knowing if I was part of any group because I came single by myself because uh, my school didn't send anyone, but I'm in my third year of being a watchdog. Uh, my first two years, I was at an early childhood center and uh, primary uh, uh, called Chico Elementary. It was Title One, and and now I'm watchdog in at what most would consider in Arkansas one of a uh, privileged school because uh, I mean they have plenty of finances, plenty of money, plenty of volunteerism, and things of that nature. My question is to the panel: uh, My heart is back at the Title One school where there are. Uh, underprivileged kids, uh, most, most most parents, if not both, have either been on drugs or have some very health legal issues going on, custody issues and things like that. Fathers getting out of prison wants to be involved with their kids' life, but for some reason, legal issues won't even allow them to even come on to school, even because of a felony or something that they did in their past, but they served their time. But their desire to to be more of a stand-up type father now is so great. When I was a watchdog at that school, I was asked all the time, how can I how can I do this, how can I do that? But at that time, uh, volunteers in public schools in Little Rock, the school district had a background check. So will the panel in the future um, put something in place that when fathers are returning from incarceration or from uh, programs, that they are so intimidated to even come in school and be in their kids' life. Will there be something in place to help those fathers get over those barriers where they can be reintegrated back with their kids on that level? Let me address that from the Western standpoint, if I could, because uh, the way our program is designed is we want that first point of contact at a school to be the principal. And we encourage the principal to not have to, you know, uh, rethink or overthink what the policy is going to be to handle these watchdogs. Just simply use their volunteer policy that's already in place. Most of the schools, about 60%, as far as we can tell, of our schools are implementing some sort of background check. Just in the course of a volunteer, you have to submit to that. So that may, in many cases, uh, prohibit a guy that has a certain type of felony conviction. In many cases, it won't, depending on that type of conviction and depending on what the independent or each independent school district policy is. Um, I will tell you what we want to have happen is a dialogue to be created. And so, if in the past the policy has just been, well, you know, this is what this 
this and this is the way we're going to do it and this serves the greater good. And all of a sudden you've got a situation where you've got, you know, 85 or 100 men that want to come in and volunteer in your school and you have 20 or 30 of those guys that have a record. We would really want the uh, superintendent and the school board and the principals to really think what is in the best interest of the students and to really think if we've got these guys coming in, is there a way that we can engage them and still maintain the safety of our school or do they pose a threat? I will tell you a, a first-hand example that I had. Uh, this summer, we were invited to participate in uh, the back-to-school uh, cross-country bus tour of the Department of Education in a particular stop they had in St. Louis. And they invited us to come into uh, uh, an event there, and, and we brought some watchdog schools in. They wanted to highlight some of the great work that was being done. And that night, we had a, a pizza night kickoff at Hancock Place Elementary in St. Louis. And the principal told me a story later on. We had some senior staff, the department ed, come in, and they got to witness this and see these guys sign up. And there was, you know, 300 dads and kids there that night. The next day, the principal called me and told me a story about a man that came up. She had never met him. She knew his son, good kid. Dad came up, like Mike described earlier, had teardrop tattoos, had, you know, some neck tattoos and face tattoos, and indicated to her that, he had made some mistakes in his life and had been in prison and really wanted to be involved in school. And he said, I never knew I had this opportunity. I straightened up. I haven't done, had anything in 20 years, but, you know, what can I do? She looked at him and said, you can spend the day with me. And that'll be, that'll be how you come in. And, and I want you here if you want to be here. That's the kind of creativity that we want the principals to do. But see, if she hadn't known him and we hadn't had the opportunity to get him in there and for her to see his heart, she just would have dismissed him at the door. He wouldn't even have felt bold enough to go up and talk to her. So, you know, let's not let common sense be put aside by, you know, practices and rules and regulations. Let's start that dialogue. Let's bring those guys in and, you know, I mean, here's the deal. If it's a, if it's a, a crime of a, of a sexual nature against the child, they've lost their privilege, okay? But there's some things that they still could have been incarcerated for that they served their time and the school might want to say, you know what, if you're in the classroom with your child and a teacher, we're going to allow that. So that helped. It does. Uh, the particular question was, well, the guy that I'm talking about in particular, he was committing murder. Uh, and he served his time. When he got out, he, he just wanted to show his son and his daughter that he had you know, changed and he was trying to be a better dad. And uh, so for that reason, uh, a lot of people just didn't want him up, up there. And so I. I just feel bad for him because he came to me out here for some reason. I was first point of contact. And I just, you know, and I felt bad for him because he wanted to help. Yeah. And, and I'd say, you know, for him to go to that principal and talk and share what he wants to do. And, and don't, you know, principals are creative. Uh, you know, educators are creative by nature. And, and there's usually a way, if he's wanting to help and has truly turned his life around, that they can still achieve their number one goal of keeping those kids safe, but also of acknowledging the fact that, you know, he's a father that has, you know, paid his due and, and wants to help. Well, and, and that's one thing about, like, a bring your dad to school day. A lot of schools have the background, you know, the, the initial check at the gate, and, and the one thing they check is for sexual uh, sexual offenders. And even in, in Texas and in several other states, even if you're a sex offender, you can come to school, you have to be escorted by an administrator, but you can go with your class, principal or somebody can, you know, counselor can be with that class and that man is over, you know, shadowed by somebody. But the great part about these events, dad and I, dad can math night, dad can science night, you know, you're not volunteering to do anything with anybody else's kid. You're there to be with your kid. And we have
of a background check. You know, and a lot of times, on, even on the volunteer forms, if it's not a violent felony or a you know a felony of sexual offense, they can not only pass the background check. The problem is they will say if you have a felony, you can't come in. But that's not the school policy. So make sure you know the policy, and also give those guys those opportunities where it, it makes sense for them to be there. They can be a hero to their kid, and there's lots of ways to do it. Because we're not making them volunteers. You know, we don't do a background check for everybody when they come to the carnival. You want to talk about an unsafe environment? You know, they're like, we don't want these evidence or something might happen. And you're right, and God forbid. But the carnival is way more of a problem than having a bunch of, you want to find the safest place in America, come to one of our schools when we're still our dad there. Try something. Okay? Um, we will, you will never, you will never know. It won't make the news. Okay? It, it, I mean, unless they find the hair sample, they won't, there's no problem. Um, and, and I've had guys show up and they've got their ankle bracelets on. I've had guys show up and yeah, you, they've got the tattoos, you know what's going on. I'm in some communities exactly like you're talking about. If a felony kept you out of school, they'll know that the kids could come in and have fifth graders couldn't come in. Okay? And so they reached out and you've got to be safe and we want it to be safe. But these parents have loved their kids. And so we, we work with the policy and you've got to be the leader to the school and say, what is the real policy? How can we make this work? And what can we provide where kids are safe? But dad's getting opportunities. I love the dad's volunteer. I love all the programs we have. The bottom line is that kid needs that dad. And that dad doesn't have to be a dad on campus. But if we can do things to help him be a dad and show his kid how much he cares, we can do that through our campus is what I haven't had all these students to jump through. I would just echo what comes from an older dad perspective. Dads aren't coming in to do anything other than spend time with their kid, right? So you've got a certain level of protection there because the dad is spending time with his kids, other dads are with their kids, no kids are alone and unsupervised, so you've got a built-in protection mechanism. And it, it hopefully creates a safe environment for that dad that wants to get connected with his kid to come to school, have breakfast with his kid, have a conversation with his kid, get connected, even if he can't take that next step yet to, 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 uh, to volunteer and get more involved, he can still be there and be, be being a role model for his kid by being there. So it's a non-threatening way to do that. Um, obviously, the volunteering step takes another another level, but it's a nice first step to get connected to the kid at the school and demonstrate that behavior for him. Other questions? Yeah, hi. Uh, Gil is over from Chicago, Illinois. Um, a state board member and district director. I see like 35 schools that I help out with stuff. One of the things that I see a lot by us and, and Mike, I'll get a good reaction out of you because confronting your wife and other women sometimes is a little difficult. One of the things that I have is trying to get some of the moms that have been around for 19, 20, 25 years to stop saying you need to get the moms to do this, you need to get the mothers to do this. How do you tactfully get them to stop doing that? Oh, I was going to answer things in
And I think I'm going to say you don't tactfully do it. You don't rudely do it. But you just say we need more room at the table. We need to be a part of this. You have a lot of expertise in the PTA part, but this isn't about PTA. This is about kids, relationships, and making kids successful. And I would be very bold about that. I'll let you guys take off. Uh, I would add that you know this is a problem of our own making, guys. The moms aren't acting that way because they wanted to. They're acting that way because they had to. We weren't involved. We weren't there. We do what we do. So we can solve the problem to ourselves. It's about getting involved, put yourself in the role, and not saying I'm just going to show up for the the project nights or the 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 uh, fall festival because I can run around and, and talk to my buddies while my kids play in the playground. It's about getting involved next level. I realize I'm preaching to the choir, y'all, because you're in the room. But it's about getting more dads to do what you all have done and step up and get in leadership roles. Because I, I don't think the moms don't want us involved. I just think they're not quite sure what to do with us when we show up. <laughs> and so we got to help them understand what to do with us, right? It, it, it's as simple as getting involved and saying, hey, I want to do that. I want to play this role. I want to be the president of the PTA. I don't want to just be the dad's club guy. I think we can solve the own problem, our own problem by how we act and how we get involved. And I think we'll be welcome when we do that. Well, and that's one of the things, too. There is a time to be bold, and there is a time to say, we're going to do this. You know, the programs that we have for you guys are really simple because they have to be put in place in those environments. They have to be put in place under duress sometimes. And so we're like, we're just having to come to school, they're eating breakfast, they're going to class. To get moms to understand that we don't need tablecloths on the silent sheet, that we don't know whether we're supposed to look at centerpieces or eat them, you know, all those things, and, and moms really don't believe that we're not going to be upset that it's not well decorated. Or that, here's a very big one to me, and we see it all the time, you talk about untactful. I've made so many PTA groups mad because they lined all the men up and were giving them one or two pieces of pizza. Because if not, they're going to eat it all, and the children won't get to eat. Because you know, as men, we always never let our children eat, right? Uh, and I do think maybe that's from being at home and on Friday night, get away from my pizza. No, I don't know. But what would happen is these guys are lined up out the door. We don't have time for that. And so having to take lead before the program cratered, I said, guys, everybody have a seat. Everybody sit down. The women are like, what are you talking about? Everybody sit down. Hand me that sack of pizzas. And we've got pepperoni and a cheese pizza to every table. And they're losing their minds sometimes. But what happens is the dads pass the pizzas around to every kid, make sure they have food, then they all get pizza. And because men are afraid the other men might kill them, offer the last piece to the guys, you're not gonna kill me, but do you want it? Are you want it? And they'll offer pizza to the other table. Men do a great job of taking care of the children when provided the opportunity. So the boldness comes when you provide those opportunities and then the deep breathing comes with your group and say, did you see how the dads all made sure the kids were fed and shared the pizza and everybody ate? I fed 450 people in 12 minutes from start to stop. Everybody got the pizza, everybody passed it. I've been where we didn't even have plates. Somebody forgot the plates. And the whole PTA crew is losing their minds. I said, we're fine, we're fine. Watch. We passed out pizza to almost 300 guys plus their kids. Not one man came up and said, hey man, how come we don't have plates? Not one man put on the evaluation. Not one man asked for a plate. 
Not one million. And it was our opportunity to show the ladies that's not our concern. We're not, if you were to have a bunch of ladies come to a party and they weren't playing, it would be a riot. And it's okay because they, again, they make all these things happen. We have to teach them this is what men are concerned about, this is what they're not concerned about. So it's a matter of education within that boldness. And, and again, we're always showing how it's affected. Not, we're men, we was alone, kids. No, watch. Watch these guys that you've never seen come before react because they don't have all these rules and they're not wondering how they're supposed to behave. we got to connect it to the kid and they know what to do from there. And if they don't, they're watching the other guy that will teach them. The day will come uh, when it's not being said anymore at your school. They're not saying, get the ladies to do this, get the ladies to do that. Uh, because you're a trailblazer and because you're out there in front, you're going to hear that a lot. And so congratulations for hearing that. But just the day that you start hearing, let's get a mom or a dad to do this, you'll know you've achieved at least part of your goal, right? Good job. Thank you. I'll tell you also, uh, in, in doing these things, go with the, uh, the end state in mind. And that end state is, oh, you're there to make the, the well-being of kids better. And it depends upon the environment. You know, like I say again, passively observe, see what's going on, and as you learn the culture and environment, then, you know, you move from passive to assertive. And like I say again, in some cases, and I'm speaking from experience, you know, you can be assertive when you need to be, and sometimes you have to be aggressive, too, because you're going to run you're going to run different levels of uh, people, but passive, passively observe, pick up what's going on around you. I mean, you can pick out those key women leaders, that influence and maybe our gatekeepers as I've heard that term and, and then you work appropriately and you're assertive where you need to be assertive and I say in some cases if it's a really hard not to crack then you got to be aggressive. Well and I think it's one of the reasons why the, the three programs represented here are so important. Let's be honest in PTA then we are a minority population and like an outreach to any diverse community it's important to have cultural competency that's basically mm -hmm. what we're saying here and we can't expect necessarily for women to immediately understand kind of cultural competence for for our gender and so it's one of the values of bringing in programs that are basically structured and already appropriate for men so in my view this is not in any way different than when PTA is reaching out to the Hispanic community, the Asian community, or other diverse groups, you need to be culturally competent and understand the values, what is unique, and the behaviors of that community. And so by using programs that where it's already built in and instilled, it's going to help PTA leaders to do this rather than you know expecting ladies to understand why we keep to that place. And you don't have to explain it, just go for it. And I would also challenge you to divide and conquer. Find those ladies, those women in your PTA that are the people who um, bring groups together. If you sit over talk about sitting and observing, mark those women who don't have that power thing going on, who are diverse, who outreach, who care, who have that common bond, who have the real focus. And leverage that. Men know how to leverage, okay? You guys know how to do that. You guys are good at that. Take advantage of that and divide and conquer because you guys have the message and the passion and what we need in our school. 
Brian and Mike and I had this discussion last night, and I can announce to you now the launching of Strong Pro Dads. <laughs> <laughs>
systems to organizations around the country working with fathers. I had the privilege of standing with Carrie Casey on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on the 100th anniversary of Father's Day, and we got to speak at the Lincoln Memorial. There were a few less people there than when our man Martin Luther King spoke, but we were there in the same spot, okay, and my mama was proud. Um, and so we've known Carrie for a long time. Carrie and I were actually at the White House together last year. You watched the video that we posted on that site. Um, I think he just got me back with something I said about him at the White House. <laughs> so uh, it's all fair and love and more, and we think the world of these organizations, and we think National PTA for letting us be a part. Eric, thanks for putting the time and the money up for this to happen as well as a sponsor. Um, if y'all come to Texas, we'll see what we can do about that, or wherever we go, we want to be a part of it. Uh, but seriously, check out the website, and I want you to understand, it's all in love and fun. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Again, thank you, Eric. Eric, Jim, Michael, and Ryan for taking the time to be with us and also taking the time to be a panel. So another round of applause for them. It's been a great weekend. Everybody's been here with a consistent message and hopefully you've taken some tools back that are going to help you move this forward and help this, uh, this process continue. I want to thank everybody for taking their time out of their busy schedules, their flights, everything else. Uh, hopefully everybody takes it home safely. But I just want to wrap up with just a few closing comments. First of all, this is, the, as you know, this is the first mail engagement conference that we had. It far exceeded our expectations, and hopefully it will continue and only get larger. Secondly, we invite you to join us at convention. It will be in Cincinnati, Ohio this year, June 20th through 23rd. So please feel free to pop up and join the convention. A lot of great things there. Additionally, um, I want to thank the committee. Without the committee's support and the committee's hard work, we've been working on this for quite a long time. And um, without their help, this uh, wouldn't have been as successful as it was. Additionally, I wish Betsy was here because I'd like to personally come in front of you guys. It was her vision that brought the committee together, her support that allowed us to have the, the convention. Additionally, Eric Snow and Watchdogs for their support in uh, putting all this together and helping us get everything. So with that, I want to thank you guys again for coming. I hope you, you're walking away with some good information. And I uh, also want to thank the officers you know, for their support and for their support also. Thank you and safe travels home. Hey Dad, would you like to connect better with your kids? Do you know what your child's school day is really like? Do you think school is the same as it was when we were in school? Now there's a national program that can answer these questions for you. Dads of Great Students, also known as Watchdogs, is the father involvement initiative of the National Center for Fathering. Dads now have the opportunity to be a part of their child's school day in a guy-oriented format. For as little as just one day per school year, Watchdog Dads complete a challenging schedule which includes helping with student arrivals, working in the classroom, lunchroom, gym, and on the playground. At the end of the day, you're worn out, but you have a great sense of accomplishment. You know that you've made a positive change in your school for your own children and even children who don't have a dad at home. For more information, Ask your principal to check out www.fathers.com slash watchdogs or call 888-540-DOGS.